and that that's actually brings me to another interesting point. Yeah, there is a sub 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 genre of magic called gospel magic. What? What? Yes. <laughs> what? Yes. Oh, oh I have oh, to just know. Wait. I'm writing this down. <laughs> what? Okay. What is gospel magic? Would you yes. like to start talking about religion and stuff? Yeah. All right. Oh, nice. Nice. This will help me for editing later. And see. All right. Well, perfect. Joe Diamond, thank you so much for joining me today and agreeing to be a guest on Growing Up Bundy. I really appreciate having you here. It's been far too long, first of all, since we've had a conversation. So that it's been fun catching up. But yeah. also... Um, if you could take a moment to just kind of describe who you are, what you do, and the religion that you're going to be talking with us about today. So uh, I have, uh, like like we were talking about before, you know, we both met in the Chicago theater scene. Uh, mm -hmm. I am, I'm not technically an actor. I, I perform as a magician, mentalist, psychic entertainer. Uh, you know, my specialty is mind reading. I do... Uh, uh, big theater show. I also have a small 13-person show that I do in a haunted mansion in Crystal Lake, Illinois, outside of Chicago. Um, That's it's awesome. 13 people, everyone who comes gets to be a part of the show. The building is to belong to uh, Eliza Ringling, one of the Ringling Brothers' wives. Um, wow. Too. Yeah, so really cool history there. It was also a church for a number of years, <laughs> uh, of, of course. Of course. And, and yeah, and, and I make my full time living doing this. I, you know, I've written my shows. I have five different one hour shows. I've created magic effects that have been sold to magicians. I've done, you know, metaphysical work. I've done tarot. I've done palmistry. I've written, again, I've written material for my own shows. I've consulted for other uh, entertainers. Uh, Teller of Penn and Teller once said that if you're going to be a magician, it's like writing a beautiful uh, piece for the piano and then having to either build or invent a piano. Uh, that's usually, and, and that's so you, funny. you need those skills. You need the skills of, you know, you need the, you need to be a present. So you need the skills of an improv uh, uh, performer. You need to, a lot of times you're writing your own material or taking a script that another magician has done and rewriting it for your voice. So you need to be an actor. You need to watch yourself on video and self critique and be your own director. You have to, for in my case, I'm working with an audience. So like right. I have to, you know, I have to make sure my instructions are clear. I, you know, bring them up to make them co-stars in the show. Uh, so there's a lot of different theatrical hats I've got to, yeah. I've got to put on for, for all this stuff. And I went to 12 years of Baptist school. What? 12 years? 12 years. First grade through 12th grade. I graduated out of a class of two. Really? Homeschooling doesn't count as church schooling. No, no, no. no this was not homeschooled. Wait, this so was... did you start with two or did that many people just drop like flies? 
no, I, oh no, I, it, every year was a different number of kids. The most we had, so we had the upper learning center and lower learning center. We're just going to okay. dive in. Now. Yeah, I was going to say. Who cares I'm what so... I'm doing now? Let's talk about my religious trauma. All right. Uh, so there was the upper learning center and lower learning center. Okay. Um, I have no problem saying the name of the school because it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, big surprise. Uh, it was Fox Valley Christian School in okay. Henry, Illinois. Um, you don't have to work hard to find out what church it was out of, but out of respect, I won't say the name of the church. Yeah. Um, well, not that matters. There's 18 million churches with that name, so it doesn't matter. Uh, and so first grade through like sixth, seventh grade was the lower learning center. And okay. then... 7th, 8th grade to 12th grade was the Upper Learning Center. And I I was the I was the only first grader when I came to that school. Wow. And I was the only 12th grader when I graduated. The only reason I didn't graduate by myself was a junior was really bored and decided he wanted to graduate early, so we <laughs> worked morning, noon and night uh to graduate early. So wow. when I graduated on time, no one cared. Everyone cared about the guy who graduated early. I've been here <laughs> for 12 freaking years. Yeah. They uh, introduce you. They're like, first is our average grad. Here he comes. Yep. Second is our yep. star graduate. Basically, he had the picture in the newspaper. Uh, yeah, all of it. All of it. All of it. Um, so but- what's that like? Going to a, a Christian <laughs> school in Illinois where you're the only person in your grade. Uh, well, here's the other thing too. Okay, so first grade, I'm the only first grader. Everyone else is as old as sixth grade, and sixth graders compared to a first grader, they're, they're giants. They're yeah. they may as well be adults to your tiny little first grade. Also, I did kindergarten, and that was like it. It was half a day, and now I'm doing this, and I don't know. You don't know what school's gonna be like, right? I mean, we're all kind of tricked into school anyway. You know, oh, yeah. it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're gonna go to this. Oh, you'll go for the easy into it. You'll go for like half the morning, then the whole morning, then just the afternoon, and now you're there. Oh, see you in twelve years. This is your life now, like that. that like they they easy into it. They trick you. Yeah. Uh, when you go to school, so I yep. don't think I'm alone in that regard. No, uh, definitely however, not. I'm okay. So let me explain a little bit how the school worked. Okay. We had our offices, which are desks. They were like mini cubicles. Uh, There was a desk down here, a shelf at about eye level, and then panels that stuck out. And then there was another kid right next to you on the other side of that panel. And you were lined up all along the, the wall around this room. You had a tiny little plastic American flag and a tiny little plastic Christian flag. What's a Christian Have you talked flag? about the Christian flag yet on the show? Wait, is there like a couple episodes? Is there literally an official Christian flag? How Everyone did I not know this? Pledged allegiance to the American flag, then the Christian flag, then the Bible. Uh, dude, I'm gonna look this up. I had no idea there was like a legitimate. Actual... There's a legit Christian flag. How did I not know this? With a little blue square and then a red cross in it. I don't remember that. I remember the pledge to the Bible. Was I pledge allegiance to the Bible? Holy God's shit. holy word. I will make a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I don't remember the Christian flag one. Um, wow. But I'm there sure. Really is. I'm sure you're seeing it right now. When yeah. You're doing it. By the way, I love that you're this far into the show and I'm still making your eyes get like super wide and like, what? I'm <laughs> like back new layers of all this. How well, did I not know that too. existed? Let, let, me, let me say this before we go any further. The first place I heard the word fundy was your title for this show when I saw you sharing it on uh, 
on social media. Yeah. And I've seen a couple, I've seen it pop up and I'm like, oh my God, I thought I was crazy, but these fundies, and then I've been watching more and more fundy stuff and I'm like, oh, I'm, a, I, I was brought up funny. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like okay. a realization. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that moment where it's like, you know, well, and I don't know if you had this, but it's like when you go to a Christian school and all your other friends go to like norm, I don't want to say like normal, mainstream regular school. Yeah. 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 So none of it's normal. Um, but, uh, yeah. But when it's that you feel like, oh, you're the only one who has any kind of reference to this and also right. like every religion or sect or whatever is always like you know the lutherans are like oh thank god we're not like those crazy catholics oh my god yeah uh, yeah we're not like them and it's like no. so, so i think there's a little bit of that as well part of me is like oh mine wasn't too bad but that's just because we saw crazier there's always crazier yeah so i think when you're in it you always feel like you're better than the sinners, but yes. you're not one of the crazy ones. Yes, like everyone. Like, right. You're not. You're not one of the anti-religious people who are going to hell, but you're also not Westboro. Like you don't associate yeah, with Westboro. Yeah. Those are the like you don't dance with snakes. <laughs> At least you don't do that. Well, and, and and that's the other thing too. I think so much. Unfortunately, so much of the news about that, unless you're a Westboro or a Hillsong, people aren't going to hear about this stuff. They're they're just right. not going to. No, uh, I remember the first time I saw the movie Saved, which I assume you've seen. And if you haven't, no. you should see it. Okay, Mandy Moore, it's Macaulay Culkin. Oh, my uh, God. General I remember Lung, that. And they're, they all go to a Christian school. Yeah, it's great. It's yep. great. Uh, the only thing that uh, was inaccurate, in my opinion, was the size of the school. It's like a high school sized school. And like even like the biggest religious schools I don't think are as big as the one in this movie. No, but I heard, I can't remember if I read it online or maybe I heard it on like a special feature, but I heard they had to make the school bigger. So it seemed more realistic because otherwise it just wasn't going to seem like, like, what are these kids doing? They're going to a small, you know, room on, <laughs> attached to a church. Uh, yeah. They're going like, to this, yeah. they're going to this school. That's one solid room in a strip mall that has like desks. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I feel so like so many like, Christian schools are in strip malls. It, uh, my ours weren't in a strip mall so ours was like there was like a long driveway and then the church was back there with the parking lot and then like a big field where we could play like flag football and stuff was it with the christian I was, flag uh I, I don't think so was it christian flag remember. football <laughs> that would have been awesome now that i think about it, that would have been awesome uh so we so the first grade i'm the only first grade I'm the youngest kid you know so there's that and as I grew up, so I got to, so then I get out of the lower learning center with all the little kids and I'm in the upper learning center with the big, and I'm the youngest kid again. I'm the only like seventh grader. Did you have your and, own teacher? Like how did they handle well, that? Well, here's, here's how it worked too. And I don't know, again, uh, you probably haven't, but we'll cover this. Uh, we used uh, Accelerated Christian Education, A-C-E, uh, was the name of the, the, cult whatever i was gonna say i don't these, like this these oh oh just wait oh just wait that provided our uh educational materials we didn't have teachers we had supervisors and it was individualized learning so and do it yourself audio listeners i'm sorry i'm using a lot of air quotes but uh with my fingers but um so what you had you had a pace it was like personalized accelerated christian education so that was the pace it was ace i don't know and you had little comic strips in these little paces 
and then you would read in one section and fill in questions in the other section. Then you got to a checkup where you weren't allowed to go back you and you had to like do it all from memory. Then you had to score it, self-score yourself, then do a self-test on all of it, and then you took the actual test. And if you got below an 80%, you had to go back and redo it. Now, was now, this for actual educational subjects or was this for Christian text and like Bible knowledge? Both. Okay. Both. We started, so like, to be fair, they, they didn't half-ass it. Like when we learned history, we started with Genesis, worked our way through the Bible, and then went to the Dark Ages and Middle Ages and everything all the way up to... Um, you know, modern, uh, modern society. So like they, they actually pace, literally pace it all out over the 12 That's years. Good. That's uh, good. The problem is when you get into something like math, if you're stuck on something, you bring it to your supervisor and say, I don't understand this. And the supervisor, who's one of your friend's moms, who's, <laughs> who's, you know, volunteered to do this for not enough money. Let's be real. right. If, right. If, if actual teachers aren't paid enough, I can't imagine these people were paid enough. Also, let me be very clear about this too. I actually had two of my around eighth grade supervisors slash uh, one of the principals uh, that I had growing up come to one of my shows last week. for the It was the first time I had seen them since like eighth grade. So right. I, I want to be clear about a lot of what I'm saying here is about the institution, not necessarily right. the individual people. Right, there yeah. There were great individual people in there. There were garbage individual people there. We can talk yeah. about the pastor who got caught hooking up with the secretary. Um, oh, uh, oh my. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. We, we didn't know at the time. He just suddenly wasn't the pastor. He was gone. Yeah, it was, he, he got a sports car. Six months later, he was gone. So, oh. yeah. Well, there you uh, go. Yep, there you go. Uh... Yeah, so now for parents, like if you're like, oh, if, if the if the kid doesn't, uh, every kid gets a passing grade, they're going to keep going until they pass, it's not pass and fail. So like that's a good selling point to a parent uh, who's looking for alternative education uh, for their kids, you know. But that also meant like we had to just keep going until like it was so easy to fall behind. Yeah. That's what it sounds uh, like. Now, did your parents not want you to have like a secular education or were the local schools bad or why did they decide to put you in a program like that? That would be easier I, I, than I, just homeschooling. I I genuinely do think as much grief as I've, I've given them, as much as we've had our disagreements, they're still very conservative and I am not. <laughs> and um, I am a magician. <laughs> Yes, and yes, yes. Well, that's the other thing. Like, their only one, first through 12th grade graduation at this church became, you know, a paranormal, mind-reading, mentalist magician. Like, of course they went, of course they closed. Like, <laughs> of course I'm the very closed. definition of, you failed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you failed. Yeah, you learned um, nothing. Now, has that, I'm curious, has that been a a big kind of, deal in I guess at what age did you become interested in like magic and magic tricks and mind reading and, and did that cause so a rift in terms of your religiousness yes uh is the short answer for that let me kind of answer that with your uh, previous question yeah so I I do think my parents thought they were doing the right thing yeah for sure um I don't think any parent is like oh you know what 
I'm gonna send my kid to a fundamentalist church because I want them to be miserable. Fuck like, that kid. Think, He'll do a work book. <laughs> I, I think I think their thought was he's he's a he's a sensitive, emotional only child. It's gonna be hell in public school. It's gonna be hell in Christian school. At least in Christian school, he's not gonna learn evolution. Like, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think that was that's funny. This was also like the early '90s, so like it was like the the, the first attempts at like the uh the disney boycott i don't know if you remember that back back in the that day way I, back in the day i had like a a disney gap in my life where i didn't see like nightmare before christmas and a couple other disney movies because of the disney boycott yeah um at that time at that point uh because they were like hey maybe gay people are humans too and maybe we should welcome them into our parks just because of that, you know? Nothing. I remember that. I remember can that. Can you imagine now? Can you imagine if they could, like, look ahead and see now? Like, like that That was it. That was the only thing. So, I digress. So, with that, the thing with religion, I've thought about this a lot. One of my mentors was uh, a former uh, religious professor who woke up at age 39 one day and went, when am I going to stop following other people's dreams and follow my own? quit his job and yep. became a bar magician and went on to be one of the most successful close-up magicians of the last what's like, a bar magician years. uh it's where a magician is uh behind the bar and like performs while people oh. sit at the bar and uh do magic so it's a literal bar magician yeah yeah and go around from table to table that's known as chicago style magic close-up magic behind <laughs> the bar deep table. dish <laughs> The deep sauce is on the top. Exactly. <laughs> no, like uh, like deep dish pizza and sh uh, hot dogs without ketchup. There is a Chicago style of magic too. Wow, that's, that's Chicago style. Yeah. Uh, so he, but he had like a big beard, and he also like had this deep voice, and he didn't just like you know break a thread apart and put it back together. No, no, no. He talked about Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva and Hindu gods, and lit a candle and told this story about the creation and destruction and the recreation of the universe all in wow. two minutes. Yeah, yeah. He was he was awesome. He was a big. In, uh, he was really really influential to me growing up. I watched him on TV a lot growing up and everything. And one of the things with most and what I'm finding out, and I may have completely different opinions about this in a year. Uh, but I think particularly with fundies, they're so focused on the rules. They really love their, like, it doesn't matter if the rules make sense or not. They just, right. like, you have to wear that tie. You can't yep. listen to this kind of music. You have, you know, skirt can't be below the knee. You have to have this kind of haircut. It doesn't matter why, they just like the rules. Right. And magic in all its forms, whether it's performance magic or ceremonial magic or religious magic, chaos magic, all of it, all of it says the same thing. Fuck your rules. Yeah, yeah. That's what they all say. You thought you thought gravity was a rule? We're going to make this levitate. Yeah. You thought matter was a rule? It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. You think your thoughts are private? I'm going to tell you your pin code. Like, all these things, like, fundamentally, ironically, fundamentally yeah. say you don't know everything and not even that like you know let's set all this aside like yes you know there is some real magic there is some uh you know we can have a whole conversation about where the illusion begins and the reality begins within my right. form but ultimately what it's saying too is you can be wrong you can watch this let's just take a simple card trick the card you pick a card sign your name on it it goes in the middle of the deck magician snaps their fingers it's on top 
whether that is a genuine supernatural X-Men power they have, they can make a card go from the middle of the deck to the top, or it's imperceptible sleight of hand or, you know, a trick deck or whatever, that doesn't matter. What matters is you watch something impossible happen with your own eyes, therefore you can be wrong. Yeah. You can take in all this information and watch as carefully as you can and still come to the wrong conclusion. Yeah. And don't you think... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, which is also scarier than screw your rules. It's scarier than that as well. So yes. like that, so all of, and I didn't really notice that in the, in, in the church and school until I got closer to around teen years. We can talk about that in a moment, but I want to hear your, your follow-up question because you had a. Yeah. I was thinking about this when you first told me that you were interested in being on the podcast. Um, don't you think it's interesting that the same, I can tell just by the look I gave you, you're like, what's you going to say? Um, don't you think it's interesting that the exact same people who are like, I don't need to see to believe. I don't need to hear to believe. This is based on faith and belief of the unseen and the unknown. And if you truly believe that is the ultimate goal, this entire system is based on how much would you believe and how much would you risk for something you cannot prove, you cannot see, you cannot hear, but you just feel and you just believe. The same group of people are like, magic tricks are bad. That's not real. I can't see it. Like, I don't, like, I don't believe that, you know, like that has to be evidence or it's of the devil because it's unseen, unheard. How is this happening? I don't see the strings. I don't see the, and you're like, do you hear you? So so, no, they don't. Uh, You don't need to be a mind reader. You just, you know, need to grow up. And you would just think Uh, that the biggest audience for magic would be the people who spend their entire lives being like, see, you can have faith and believe in things that don't exist and still happen. Yes. Gospel magic is where you take off the shelf magic store props Almost always the cheesiest, least amazing pieces of magic. Almost always. And you put a biblical story or metaphor around it. Okay. So one example. There is a prop um, called a lotta bowl. Um, b- by the way, magic props are pretty racist. Magic oh. terms are pretty racist. Uh, I don't know. Like, I just realized, like, oh, Laudable might reference something else that I have no idea. Uh, there was... I'm leaving you a pause here to edit this out if you want to. There's a prop <laughs> called a... Okay. Uh, which we know is racist. Right. Uh, and it's still used. Uh, so I don't know, and there's like prop, there's infamously like magic props with like Chinese characters painted on them, or at worst, fake Chinese characters, like all that. There there have been white people who have dressed as Asian people and performed as if they were Chinese and they were yeah. 100% white. So yeah. again, we can, we can get into the problems with, with the magic industry and art form, the culture, all of that. Uh, so let me, let me just be clear about that. But there's so back to this lotta bowl. Basically, without exposing it, you can fill it up with water, pour water out, wait a few seconds, and then pour more water out. And you can do this like 10 to 20 
depending on the style you have, the size of it, you can do this up to like 30 times. People wow. will come back to it throughout their act. And the most common version of this in gospel magic is telling the story of uh, how the um, the oil lasted really long or... Yeah. Um, like the division the of the one. bread and the fish and yeah, yeah. all so that. that that's, yeah. You know, you use it as a, as a metaphor for that. Another one, there's a trick uh, where you have three ropes. One's a short one, one's a medium one, one's a long one. They're regular ropes, uh, but you can apparently stretch them to where they're all the same size. And then they all go back to the same lengths huh. you hand them out. And I know this presentation because it was part of my gospel magic act growing up. Uh, where, uh, you know, some people think God loves sinners this much, and you hold up the small one. And they hold, love other Christians this much, you hold the medium one. Oh, and he must love me this much, you hold up the big one. But God loves all of us the same, and then you make all the ropes go the same length and everything. So there are tons of that. Yeah. Sometimes it's just putting Jesus up a picture of Jesus's face. on. Oh, here's another, here's another racist title. There's a prop called a temple screen. It is just three pieces of cardboard with tape that you fold together. They have racist Chinese characters on them. You show <laughs> each side, form it into a triangle, and pull silks or whatever out of it. And uh, I've seen one that had Jesus on one side and the devil on the other as, like, clip art. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so there is a whole – there are people who make Jesus silks. There are people who make, like, Happy Easter, you know, props and signs – like th there is a whole subgenre of gospel magicians. Was that your like, first introduction to magic? Was like, did you start no, as oh, a gospel no, no, no. magician? I, watch, I mean, the other thing on in the '90s, there was like the what's been called is the '90s magic boom on TV. Yes, yes. There was there was a magic show on TV like all every the time. Other week. And like they were the always like traveling too. There was always like I don't know if you've ever heard of Bart Rocket. Like he was at our school all the time. Like there's all these school presentations where they would bring magicians in constantly through the nineties. Yeah. Well, well, not just that, but on TV too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, like every year all over. Thanksgiving, there was the world's greatest magic specials. Uh, there, David Copperfield had a special every year. If you got, if you worked the Las Vegas strip, it was very likely you were going to get a, uh, there was Melinda, First Lady of Magic, Lance Burton, Master Magician, World's Wildest Magic, Hidden Secrets of Magic. Uh, and it was the same, like, group of magicians, but they always, like, loosely themed it around something, you know, to make it a magic special. Uh, but it was, it, it was like a huge, huge thing. And and kind of the tail end of that was David Blaine Street Magic, which yep. aired in 1999. Did it really? killed it. Yeah, that, his first That's how old that is? Oh, if you want to have some fun, real quick deep dive. Day, a commercial in like five minutes of David Blaine's special aired like two or three weeks earlier during ABC's like wonderful world of star, you know, magic of the stars or whatever. And it had, um, I'm going to butcher their names, um, uh, Ben Savage from Boy Meets World. It had one of the ants from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It what? had Balky from Perfect Strangers. They were all like, I think boys to men, like sawed women in half and stuff. And like, <laughs> they all were just, just came out and did like prop magic. And it was, just, the hook was that it was celebrities doing magic. Oh, the two right. sisters from Sister Sister uh, came out and did something. Uh, yeah, so so that, that was a whole special. And then during that, they they aired like a five minute teaser of David Blaine Street Magic debuting next week or next whatever. So literally, like in my head, 
And when I went back and rewatched that special, it's on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, this is like the end of the magic, like special craze where it's like, like era. film it in front of a studio audience, and now everything's out on the street. You, you can be a corporate magician. And, you know, wear a suit and tie. But if you get a TV deal, they're going to be like, okay, we're going to put you on the street. Let's get some college kids. Let's get this. Let's get some people who scream and go. Like that. And a, like that there's going to be everything. a tank with water in it, and we're going to chain yep. you up, and we're going to throw you in it, and people are yes. going to get shocked. They're going to be shocked. Yes, yes. They will They will never be more excited about anything than what they're watching right now. Uh, yeah, Did, um... so, so that was, like, right around the cusp of all of that. Um now, going in, now, I think it goes even deeper than all of that because I really loved weird shit. I love no. Twilight Zone. You? <laughs> I know, I know. I love Twilight Zone. Uh, I watched Spangooly growing up, you know, all those yep. horror movies. Yep. And, and my, my parents were pretty okay. Like, if it wasn't black and white, suddenly it was like historical and cultured. Yeah. Or if it was on Spangoolie, he at least was going to make fun of it. So. Right. And like Spangoolie was like regular. It wasn't cable. So like they right. knew I wasn't going to see anything too bad on that, on that stuff. Uh, and I read books like The Invisible Man and The Time Machine and stuff when I was really young, like five, six, seven. And when I got into magic, like I've looked back on it and I didn't think of it this way then, but unconsciously. I think magic was a way to make that stuff I saw in those books and movies and TV shows real. Yeah. Uh, and I was fascinated by, like, horror and all that because I was told I couldn't watch it. Right. I was told I couldn't see Batman Returns. I loved the first Batman, but when I was told Batman Returns was too scary, I wanted nothing more than to see Batman Returns. And as right. soon as it got turned on the TV, I went, I closed my eyes. I was like, no, I'm too scared. So, yeah, yeah, that's I, I, I feel like that's always how that works. The minute you tell a kid they can't see something, they're gonna find 900 ways to see it. Yes, and like I never got like the horror, I, I'm a big horror fan now, but I never got the like I always watched horror growing up, yeah, but I never got the people who watch it and were like, Oh, it wasn't like you're watching it to be scared, like, like, why, why are you, why, why do you have to like act macho, like, oh, I'm not that scared by that, like, no, that, that's the point of this yeah i'm watching it between my fingers that's what the movie's going for like right right and that's what i want to feel it's the I, experience you pay for yes yes uh and and it's similar you know it's the, the ex experiencing the unknown and all of that and so you know there's there's some overlap there for sure and you know i during because of the movies and everything i've read about you know psychics and fortune telling and my great-grandmother like kind of on the dl uh, taught me how to read playing cards, like tarot cards. So I learned how to do that. And I got books from the library on all this stuff. And even if I wasn't allowed to check them out, I would read them at the library and put them back and then pick up, you know, War of the Worlds and bring that home. Yeah. And around, like, this was the turning point uh, for me, which was, well, one of them. There were many turning points. I was at a party with some friends. Um, I think it was like my cousin's party. I was like 14. And this one girl who I had a big crush on was like, oh, yeah, I really want to go see a palm reader. And being 14 and male. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I oh, lied. yeah. <laughs> I, I know. 14-year-old boys lie. I'm oh, sorry. yeah. I'm uh, shocked. I'm utterly yes, shocked. Yes. And I went, oh, I know how to read palms. Thinking she would say, oh, now in my head, what I thought that was going to be. You'll get to hold her oh, hand. Well, no, no. In my head, I thought, 
oh, she'll say, oh, can we hang out? And you could do this. Yeah, how's next Wednesday? And then I'll have time to go to the library. That was the one upside. The the school was like walking distance from the library, uh, the local actual library. So I could go there after school and look at and get an actual education. Um, so, uh, we'll leave it at that. yeah, yeah. In, in metaphysics and all that, I was like, Oh, I'll go, I'll get that book on palm reading. I'll learn yep. a couple things. And then when I see her in a week or two, I'll be all ready. And she didn't do that. She just held her hand out right then and there. So I took her hand <laughs> and I made it up. I, I see went, you went, went. in a relationship with me. Yes, I, 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 I see you dating a, a semi-confident, slightly overweight mind reader. What? Um, so <laughs> it's just it's uh, in the palms. I don't. It's yeah, just it, that's it, what it says. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> and, and so I just did my best. I'd read about intuition, so I, I did my best to just kind of guess and make make stuff up that I that I thought felt right. And I finished, and I looked up. And three of her friends were in a line behind her. And that's when yes. I thought, well, card tricks don't get this reaction. <laughs> Ladies were Maybe lining up. I should learn up. this. Yeah. So I got books on palm reading. I got books on UFOs and crop circles. And uh, I got into, so there's, um, so just like there's gospel magic. Uh, there's another subgenre of magic called bizarre magic, which is basically... You, you have someone pick a card, you tell a ghost story, then you find the card. Or you tell some kind of, you know, it, it's basically kind of pulp horror manifested as magic. And that kind of grew into David Blaine Street magic with some of the more extreme things like pulling thread out of his skin and that kind of stuff. That would have been considered bizarre magic back in like the 70s and 80s. Very fringe stuff. People were like, oh, people don't want that. They want temple screens and lot of bowls. Uh, and it turns out, no, they want magic, it turns out. Uh, so that so that was that so i got more into like this stuff and like mentalism and i remember i did a card trick but with a mentalism presentation with like an old skeleton key how like this skeleton key we only use 10 percent of our brains and this key can unlock the other 90 percent. that was just a presentation for a card trick That's and i wild. did it at my church youth group my mom made me apologize to my youth pastor she made me, like, it was like, I, I may as well have sacrificed a goat when I had done that trick. Um, people were. What? So, like, why were so they so happened. mad? What was, wait, what was the bad part was, about that? Because it was psychic. It was, oh. and it freaked them out so much. I mean, it must have done a good job, I guess. It was too good. It looked like yeah. psychic phenomena. I was going to say, well, to me, that sounds like you did a great job. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, well, that's the other thing, too, with magic. Like, it, it feeds into the ego of the performer so much. Like, uh, the, the best way I can describe it is, imagine getting off stage after doing, you know, Shakespeare or something, and people keep treating you like a king. Yeah. When you're 15, and people think you're dabbling in act actual supernatural things. Dark magic. I and you know you just you know did a card trick that's that's a high that's, that's cool a, i mean that's cool. cool when you scare all the grown-ups because your magic tricks are so good that they're like discussing you and like your <laughs> your salvation obviously satan had to have helped he had nothing else going on after you picked the two of spades so i'm you know 
And then, so here's the, so this ties into school. This is kind of the next part of the journey. I, so our school went to convention every year. Okay. What convention was, was a convention of other Christian schools who use the ACE curriculum. Okay. So we would go to, uh, for a few years, we had it at Western Illinois University. And a few years we were at the University of Wisconsin in Oshkosh, because that, that turned out to be closer, even though we weren't in that state. And basically what was, all these different uh, Christian schools came together and on a college campus and had, um, oh, well, we'll get into some stories in a moment. Don't worry. Uh, well, this is wild. This convention, you would have My mind is getting blown. You, you, you'd have everything from, uh, you know, athletics, long jump to I'm surprised. spelling bee, Bible bowl, um, <laughs> one act play well oh. me and my friends all wrote a one act play and did that you could make a scripture video you could make a vhs video and put that all together a vhs video yeah, god we're yeah, old yeah did that a couple times yeah exactly and so in, in some ways it was great because like oh my gosh like now this is a school experience you are with a couple hundred kids now all your own age who are all going through this like that was the other weird thing with your with my friend. Like when I graduated eighth grade, so many of them were like, "Hey, we'll be in school next year." No, I'm staying at this school. They go through twelfth grade. Like that's when it was real. That's when I really noticed around eighth grade. Like, oh, this is this is bullcrap. I don't get to be with friends. Right. Like we we started each day with devotions. Uh, had went had chapel on Wednesday. So like, and like, and I was at church on Sunday. So I was in a church six days out of the week. Yeah. Like 12 years. Wow. Uh, so like when you're a teenager and you're like in, like in eighth grade, ninth grade, and now you go to this convention with other kids and, and like, we thought we were a small school. There was one school that had three. three wow. Students. That was it from ninth grade to 12th grade. That was it. And so while we were there, I started doing magic for people and people were loving it. And I had a deck of cards with me and I was going and I was going. And all of a sudden one of the other teachers from one of the other schools comes over, snatches the cards up and goes, these shouldn't even be at convention. What's your name? And I'm like, Joe, they're like, what school do you go to? Fox Valley Christian, your principal will get these and we're going to have a talk with them. Now, even though I had a major falling out with my principal uh, last year because he was saying some very sexist and creepy, uh, as someone who has three daughters especially, uh, very, um, you know, I don't like saying pro-life anymore. I like saying anti-choice, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. As, as someone, I'm sorry, I keep going all over the place. No, you're good. My, I'm gonna say- I think, I do think there is a huge difference between those two phrases. There is. Um, remind me to get back to the convention story because yeah. we'll pay that off. We're going to take a quick little Tolkien-esque side journey here in a moment. Uh, my mom got pregnant when she was a teenager and had an abortion in 1978. Wow. Uh, that must have been difficult to yes. have done in 1978. Yes. Wow. And as a result, when she married my dad... They were married in 81. I was born in 87. So they tried for like six, seven years to have kids. Yeah. And I know my mom had a miscarriage before me and after me. Oh, that's so sad. So 
and I was raised pro-life. And unfortunately, you know, this was also the time, my mom also got breast cancer when I was in in my early teens. And unfortunately, there was the myth really popular then that, oh, if you get an abortion, you're more likely to have breast cancer. And yeah, oh yeah, that's a myth. That's a myth. What? I didn't even know people perpetuated that. I'm not surprised. But yeah. I'm, I've never well, heard that well, one Well, yeah, before. well, she, of course, that That's just made why. her feel more guilty and everything for, for that and all that stuff. So let me be, so let me be clear. Like, as a male, even though I could not, there's a potential for me to not even exist because of a behind the times, possibly not on the books, late 70s abortion. I'm still not allowed to have any opinion on it. It's someone else's business. It's their choice. It's not my business. It's stop saying pro-life. Stop it. We're all pro-life. Like we none, of, yeah. Like none of us are, are out there being like, "Ooh, stop I it. hope she avoids that it. You're baby." Pro-choice or anti-choice? Yeah. yeah. That's that's the beginning and end that I feel I can have as a straight yep. straight white male on that subject. Um, and 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 I think saying my history and everything with it as my actual existence and still having that stance, I think is important for people to hear. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. did have one of my wife's friends, she was talking and she's like, she actually said, she's like, well, I'm pro-life, but I, I don't have any opinions of whatever other people want to do. I was like, well, no, then you're pro-choice. Right. Like, right. No, then, like, then you're like, like, and like, she didn't even process that. And I was like, like and if was you like, think that other people should be able to choose different than you. Yeah. That's pro-choice. Yes, exactly. That's pro exactly. But but that's just the you know the cognitive because dissonance. She, because she felt that you know she that's how she felt she was. You well, know? and so. also people think that pro-choice means you're okay with baby murder, and it is not the same thing. We are all pro-life. All of us are pro-life. We all Look want people to live. Look how many times in the Bible God called for uh, you to them to slay their enemies in the Old Dude, Testament. He sacrificed his own. Rooms. Like I saw. Okay, so I saw a tweet yesterday. Blew my mind. Literally, I like. Have you ever like been so shocked you like almost threw up in your mouth? Where somebody was yeah. like, somebody was like, so let me get this straight. God is the only person allowed to kill his child. And I was like, oh whoa like oh I, I think i literally out loud like sitting here in bed just went yeah. because huh! like so it's wild so, so yeah so despite all of that that's not me saying this is why i have an opinion and why right. i why i'm pro no i'm pro-choice because it's none of my business right i could have all of this stuff happen and i was forced to hold the sign and of course i was told when i was a kid oh you know they want to kill babies and you know as a kid you're of course you're like yeah Saved the babies. You're like, there are people out here killing babies? Like, of course I don't support that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, So, anyway. um, Real quick fun fact. uh, So, so to wrap all this up. Real quick uh, fun fact. The reason I I lost, I blocked my old uh, principal was he shared a picture of, first of all, like some other people I went to Christian school with shared like, pictures of like the tools used in abortions. And I was like, hey, any medical stuff would look scary. Like, have you seen a forcep? Have you seen a forcep? Because I've had one in my body. They're scary. Yeah, well also any medical, look at look at dentistry tools. Lay them They're all, the, put them dentistry all together, is one the scariest one. Scary. Yeah, yeah, dentistry is yeah. the scariest one. 
So, so, so whatever for that. But he, he shared a picture of two dogs and said, if Planned Parenthood were killing puppies instead of babies, they'd be shut down tomorrow. And I was like, you know there's kill shelters, right? You know there's literal shelters that are that killing kills more animals now. every year than any other organization. PETA euthanizes yeah. more animals yeah. every year. <laughs> like, like, like this. I wish people listening to this could see the rage hands yes. I'm doing right yes, now. The ra- oh my god, you can see like the the veins and everything. Yeah, so. Uh, so he went off on me and I realized, oh, I'm a man in my 30s and I'm still scared of this other older man who has no more power over me. And it's like, all right, you're blocked. Bloop. And then I started doing a yearly donations to Planned Parenthood in his name. Uh, so, uh, so, but at the time, at age 15, to his credit, he did stick up for me because he's like, Joey is just, I was Joey then, not, you know, some people call me Joey, but yeah, it's fine. But like, uh, my wife calls me Joey. But like he's like, yeah, Joey's just doing magic tricks, card tricks, and they like there was there was a thing in the thing that said no gambling. You couldn't have any gambling on on like there were all these rules with convention. Like of course, no no whip girls in the boys uh, dormitories, and yeah, we were in like other people's dorms, staying in like other extra dorms during this. Wow, like, yeah, it was really weird. I don't know how like a college just said. Yeah, bring a bunch of uh, sexually repressed teenagers and put them all on this, uh, you know, all underage on a college campus uh, yeah. during spring break while everyone else is gone. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. see how that goes. Let a bunch of abstinence-only educated children spend a lot of time oh, mixed co-ed. one of the co-ed. schools almost didn't come because at their school, they had a line down all the hallways, girls on one side, boys on another. And they almost didn't come because... They wouldn't put down a line down the middle of every place in Western Illinois University to accommodate that. And also, even if they did, how would you be able to keep track of who's supposed to be on what side? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, that's the other thing, too. Like, forget about how awful that is now. Yeah, for just logistically, it just doesn't just even make sense. Just logistically, it's a nightmare. <laughs> just from a like, pure logistical standpoint. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's, um, this is wild. This interview, well, well, I don't know what I expected, but I didn't expect <laughs> to learn this much. Yeah. So, 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 well, the way to kind of wrap, wrap that up with, uh, with convention, that is the first place I ever made out with someone. <laughs> I was it's, 15. it's because they didn't put a line of tape down the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. If we had a line You'd of still be pure hallway, if we, they taped the we hallway. We wouldn't have snuck away while everyone else was bowling and found a music stand closet and... Suspiciously specific. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember like it was yesterday. Are you kidding? That was the greatest day of my life. Um, yeah. And I was 15, which at the time felt like way behind all my other cousins. Like everyone right. kissed. Everyone had made out. It felt... I always feel like no matter what age it's at, it always feels a little too late. Yes. Yes. Like, and I think that's better than being like, oh, that was definitely too early. I think that's, I think that's the better. Totally. Totally. I was like 19 years old the first time I kissed a dude. And even that made me feel like, oh, like I should have waited. Like I should have waited. Oh my God. I should have waited. Cause again, that whole guilt thing where it's like, it was on me. It was my fault for giving that away, you know, so early. Well, um, so, so fun fact, her and I have actually stayed in touch. She lives, uh, she used to live in like Southern Illinois. I can't remember. She, should be a, she used to be in like Missouri for a while. Uh, but uh, she is now a practicing witch. 
She practices Wicca. Can so. you send her my way, please? Please. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Yes. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, that would be amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that was like a big convergence moment uh, for me. Um, it was, well, that's the other thing too. Like I had like kind of like lightly kissed people before and this like was, was just super awkward, like immediate third base heavy petting, like just right away. Like, cause it was like, it was so much, it was so hyped up in my head. Um, and she was, she was very nice. She was like, really? That was the first time you ever made out with someone, which I can't <laughs> imagine it was like particularly wonderful or great or whatever uh but um oh we well we we got we got in trouble because someone found out because big surprise hey where'd uh where'd they go where were they hmm. and we come back red faces and i'm grinning like an idiot gee i wonder your hair we is all like must oh my and... god so it's like was there was there ever a moment in your life where you felt like you would have to pick one, you would have to pick either like pursuing magic as like a passion and a career or stay religious or was your segue, I mean, are do you still consider yourself religious first of all? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't want to assume though, but was there, or was that separation unrelated to your pursuit of magic? I wish I had a really thoughtful, clever answer for this because this is such a great question. I I just wanted I wanted to express myself, and the best way I found to express myself was through magic. Like, right? Uh, I I did a uh, I presented for a class on magic at a college. They do like a psychology of magic class every couple semesters. That's um, cool. What college is yeah, that? Oh yeah, yeah, what's that? What college is that? Uh, it's Carthage College here in uh, the Kenosha area. Really? Tony Barnhart uh, runs it. Yeah, he's really cool. I'm going to write and that so, down. Yeah, write it down. It's awesome. And they have some online talks to uh, Science and Magic. Which yeah. Really cool. uh, so anyway, so one of the students uh, asked me, you know, why mentalism? Because they had seen like sleight of hand magicians. They right. Storytelling magicians. And I came in and I did mind reading. Like, you know, why, why mentalism? And, you know, and... I told her, and this was kind of the, and this is the truth, like, it is what I wanted, it was the closest I could get to get what I felt and what I wanted people to feel out into the world. I wanted to give people, like, that weird Twilight Zone moment in real life. I mean, I do a show in a haunted mansion for 13 people. If that's not a setup for a Twilight Zone episode, I don't yeah. know what is. We're going to see a mind reader and we're 13 people. Why is there 13 people? Why is that this specific haunted location? You know, right. all this stuff. Right. It's meant to build all of that up. And I want to give that feeling of just, you know, of like, I want you to feel like you're in one of those spooky movies. I want you to feel like, you know, it's, oh my gosh, I just had a brush with, you know, the supernatural, the unknown, you know, I want you to feel safe and happy you did it, you know. I don't, oh, um, I'm glad you said that. Continue your story. I have another question for you. Yeah. So, like, I want people leaving going, wow, I'm glad I did that. I don't want them, you know, uh, you know, there, there are some people who, and what's funny is they usually do more traditional, like, 
street magic, like like card tricks and everything. And they feel like if the audience doesn't throw up, it wasn't a good perf uh, performance or it wasn't. A good <laughs> if the audience yeah. isn't like dry heaving by the end of the performance, yeah, they didn't get yeah, their money's like, worth. Uh, like like in those and, and for like. I think David Blaine did a lot of good things for magic, uh, but I mean, unfortunately, the biggest thing that it's focused on now is like, oh my gosh, if these people aren't running ar around screaming, then the trick's not any good. Right. And there's a variety of feelings, you know, that you can have. That's the other thing with magic. Like, it's going for... You can have other elements in it. You can have comedy. You can have drama. You can have, you know, if tell a heartfelt story, maybe have people cry. Before it to be magic, this is kind of where it has a lot in common with horror movies, is that you are going for a very specific emotional reaction. And if you don't hit it, you fail. With comedy, you have a lot of chances to make people laugh. Yes. You can hit, and there's lots of ways. Like, that's the other thing, too. Like, a lot of magicians, they'll go for, like, an easy laugh. They'll do a, a, a hack line or a, a line that's in the public consciousness. Hold out your hand. No, your clean hand. Oh, that was the clean hand. You know, those kinds of things. That's funny. You know, do you want to change your mind? Oh, you're happy with the mind you have. We've all done it. We've all done yeah. it. Um, yeah. Uh, in, in this industry. And, you know, you can get a laugh, you know, even yeah. someone's dad who does magic for Cub Scouts on the weekends can get a laugh. Not to say it's easy, not, you know, it's, it's still, but you know, you can buy the trick, you can buy the clown script, you can buy the whatever. And even if they don't laugh, as long as they don't know how the trick's done at the end, people will still kind of forgive all that stuff. But like magic, that, fe that, that feeling, uh, a, a writer once said, magic does to your mind what a roller coaster does to your body. That Ooh. feeling of like reality is dropped out. And like, again, I don't know everything. Maybe I right? don't perceive something as wrong. Maybe there's more to this universe than we realized. Maybe wow. I've been looking for a psychic who can read my mind and I finally found them. Yeah. Maybe it's, oh my God, how, how I was watching that cup the whole time. How could there be a real piece of fruit under there? You know, no matter what it is, it's supposed to be creepy. It's supposed right. to have that feeling. You're not supposed and, to look at it and be like, yeah, that makes logical sense. Sure. Yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> I know how that and works. If, if you don't hit that, doesn't matter how funny you were, if it doesn't hit that, it has failed. Same thing with horror movies. And here's the thing. You can have a comedy movie. You can have the worst comedy movie. If you still laugh twice, technically that movie has succeeded. Even if you didn't like the movie. Right. Even if you don't like epic movie, like when you do laugh, you feel kind of bad. You're like, oh, they got me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. dang it. You it's know? like when they somebody... have 90 minutes and they're going to give themselves five chances every minute to, to get that moment. So like, yeah. it's just law of averages. You'll, you'll at least laugh or go, oh. Yeah, it's right, like a dad joke. At least once. Right. When somebody tells a dad joke and the whole room goes, Oh, but they all found it funny. They all laugh. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're upset with yourself for finding it funny. Yeah. Where, whereas magic or horror... You're either leaving going, oh my God, what is going on in this world where that is possible? Or you're creeped out to walk to your car alone. Yeah. And if you're not doing either of those, for all intents and purposes, the show has failed. Right. Now, 
there are exceptions to every rule. I mean, there sure, are people who love horror movies who yeah. don't necessarily get scared, but they love the, the lore or the characters yeah. or the special effects. There's yeah. people who see my show and they say their favorite part of my show is the history and how I incorporate all these different people from throughout history and yeah. tell their stories. And that's fine. That's okay for them to enjoy it on that level. I, you know, it might not be their favorite part, but hopefully they still left with that feeling of mystery as well. Um, otherwise, I would just be telling historical stories, you know, which, again, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not right. what I want. That's not right. what I want as an artist and as a performer and as a creator. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just kind of realized, like, well, and the more I sought it, the more I had Christians just really get respond really negatively and really bitterly. So, first of all, okay, so there's a couple levels. Number one, hey, mom and dad, I'm going into the arts. I'm going to be a solo entrepreneur performer. Like, there's that whole conversation. Artsy fartsy. You're the artsy yeah. fartsy one. Yes. Which there's is a nice way of saying he's weird and we hope he grows up real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll maybe he'll get a... What's funny is I, I hosted a radio show for a number of years. It didn't pay squat. But my parents were so thrilled when I got it because I think in their head they were like, he got a real job. Yeah, He's done with magic now. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I'm still not. Um, and like, so so there's that whole aspect. Like, oh, Timmy finished his degree and he's working here and he's getting married. And I'm getting in a car to go drive to, you know, where they make Airstream trailers because they're having a big festival and I'm going to be performing in their tent uh, for that event, you know, in a few days. Like, yeah, life of a gigging performer. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's that whole conversation. Then there's the conversation of, oh, you sent me to 12 years of Christian school and I'm not Christian. Like, that was the big thing. When I moved out, like, I was pretty confident at... So, so I made out with... I made out with that girl when I was 15. I lost and that was, it was, was downhill from there. Yeah. The devil yeah. just got his clutches oh, so, on you. So I, here's the one theory I do have. If you don't have your first kiss around like 12 to 14. I do think if it's after 15, it's going to be within a year until you probably lose your virginity. Oh yeah. Probably. Yeah. If, if you've waited, if you've waited that long for the first kiss, like almost all, like I don't know a single person whose story is, isn't that right. So, <laughs> right. And like that's the other thing. Like at the time, I mean, yeah, you th it's it's hilarious now when you're like, oh my god, I thought I was in love when I was 16. But like, also at the time, and like we even talked, it's like, hey, like we're being safe. We love and care about each other. We're yeah. trying to take care of each other. We're trying yeah. to, you know, be you know aware and even at the time consensual and everything and. You know, which was not a conversation at, in 2005. No, that's a very and, progressive conversation for teenagers and, to be having. You know, we, and again, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit that, like, you know, it's difficult. You know, I'm not perfect. I definitely look back on many dates and situations where I'm like, oh, I should have behaved differently. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. I realize I was treated poorly, too. Yeah. And I I think almost everyone in our age range, at least in this generation, is going to kind of have that. Right. Um, and it's how like, we oh, grow and change. So, it, so we so learn one, from this. One story, I'll tell this very quickly. This was right, this was like 2015. I had a one night stand with this girl 
and we were tr I was trying to be like, hey, you know, should we hang out and everything? How about this day? No, this won't work. How about this day? And then, like, after two of those backs and forth, she was like, you know what? Never mind. This just isn't, this clearly isn't going to work. And I was like, okay, fine. Not going to bug her, you know? Yeah. So move on. Um, and fast forward, like, seven, eight months later, uh, I just started dating my wife, Lindsay, and we're at a coffee shop, and my friend was a barista, and she waved her friend over. Uh, she's like, here, watch him do something. And I did something for her, and she just responded very coldly. And I was like, okay, it's not for everyone. Fine. That's fine. No joke, Sydney. The next day I realized, oh my God, I slept with her. <laughs> oh my God, that was the girl I had the one night stand with. You didn't recognize her? I didn't, I just didn't place it. I'm like, oh my God, I am such the dick in that story. I showed up with my girlfriend. You didn't recognize <laughs> My friend is like, this guy's amazing. He does magic. Watch him do magic. And he doesn't even, he asks you what your name is. And oh, that's nice. And like, does this magic. I am so the dick in that story. Well, I am so the worst person ever in that story. I imagine like, her thought was, oh, he does magic. I know. I've seen his disappearing act. Like, I know how that goes. Oh, God. That's, so you oh. asked her what her name was? I just didn't place it. I, I knew the name. I just didn't. It was two years. It wasn't like a decade. It was two years. Oh, no. This was seven months later. This was just a few months later. This oh, was in... I don't know why I thought okay, it was two so, years. No, no. We This was in like October of 2015 when we hooked up. And then Lindsay and I started dating at the end of like December that year. And then this was like, I don't know where I got the two years from of 2016. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it was no. like seven, eight months. It was, it was bad. Like it would, and it was one of those moments where I was just like, I wasn't even doing anything. I was just no. like maybe writing or packing yeah. my case and suddenly went, Oh my God. Oh, oh no. I had sex with her. <laughs> but oh. to be fair though, to be fair, it sounds like she was the one who cut it off, you know? Sounds like she was the yes, one but like, I mean, who knows from her standpoint, maybe I wasn't like being flexible with my schedule enough for yeah, her. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, who knows? I mean, there could be a whole, there's always, there's always a whole other perspective. I think that's the other right. thing we're learning too. Like, right. you know, awkward to one person is unsafe to another person. And we're, yeah. we're just yeah. still figuring it out. We're still, yeah. and again, like. I could talk for a whole podcast about all my awkward stories. But Same. Re receiving and giving. So yeah. I don't, I think what's important is that we all try to learn from it. We, yep. you know, try to have the conversations when they do come up and like, try not to, try not to judge until we have all the facts yeah. or just, or sometimes, oh, I don't know, maybe go, Hey, that was between those two people. And you know, that has nothing to do with me. Right. You know? That's, like, that is literally like, the majority I, of my life. I'm like, I, I'm, I mind my own business. As, as entertaining as it is to watch with popcorn. Um, I think both Johnny and Amber both have their own issues they got to deal with. And maybe no one's right in this situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. sometimes, sometimes maybe we'll get all the facts when, and hopefully a year from now, someone goes, Oh my gosh, you're an idiot for not realizing it. Here's how it came out. But you know, whatever, this is what we're, we're doing the best with what the information we have now. And that's the other problem with, you know, fundamentalism is that you're, you have to, when you do decide to make that conscious choice to become sexually active, yes, it's you're, you're guilted into, you know, having a condom, you know, so you're not always ready with one. Right. Thank God I had uh, friends who, who were and like kept us 
um supplied <laughs> yeah yeah well well it kept us accountable basically yeah in that regard um so that so there was that uh there was you know there's a there's a long process of like you know okay we kissed we made out we're doing other stuff and seeing where this goes and then and like I the think... guilt that comes with each one of those phases you reach the next phase and then the next day you're like I mean, ugh, like, I know I'm going to do it again, but. Well, well, like... And then like being on both sides, there's like, I remember when, you know, my girlfriend, I lost my virginity to like each time we, we passed that new step, it was always like, she had to ask me if I was okay. And then a few years later when I was dating, you know, uh, my main high school sweetheart, Sarah, we dated for, we dated for a year to the day. Wow. We did it for exactly one year. Wow. Um that's a long time in high we're school. On, we're on good we're on, yeah, oh yeah, that's like forever one year. That's like that's like yeah, that's like common yeah. law marriage in high yeah, school. Yeah, we may as well have been married with 18 kids at that point. Literally. Um but uh but yeah, but she she had never kissed anyone before and so like I was her first everything. So like it was a whole year of just checking in, you know, and None of us know, some, you know, and I'm, I'm sure there were moments like there were times where we did stuff where maybe one of us wasn't fully ready yet, but we thought that's what the other person. Wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I am so happy that there's like these conversations happening now. Yep. Like, and, like enthusiastic consent is like one of the most important things I think has come out of modern day conversation. Is the idea that like, not just like, yeah, okay, but like, yeah, like, hell yeah, you know? Yeah, and well, and like the other thing too is I think that's easier, I think that's going to be easier for like the, the younger generation. I think that's totally, still, I think for everyone like yep, mid-20s, late-20s and older, that's still going to be like, well, well, we're all on antidepressants, so we're like, am I enthusiastic? What is enthusiastic? Yeah. Mean? Like, how, how enthusiastic? Yeah, yes. how enthusiastic? Are... He didn't jump for joy. He didn't fist bump me. Yeah, Does that mean yeah, it's exactly. assault? I don't am, know. Am I, am I excited? I don't know. Yeah. Am I like, enthusiastic? I guess like, what I if, am. What if um, you're totally turned off by enthusiasm? I don't like enthusiasm. I don't want yeah, somebody in my yeah, room exactly. being like, yeah, uh, 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 <laughs> you know? Like, no, like, get out of here. That's when I lose yeah, my enthusiastic yeah. consent. Um, yeah, so, well, I've never told the story publicly, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it since it, it also kind of connects. So former principal, okay, he had an older daughter, um, oh. again, won't say her name, um, her and I, so I had the, so again, it was a small school, so of course I had a crush on her, but right. I knew not to tell a soul because right. like it would get out. Not because, you know, yeah. they would tell anyone, but just someone would overhear because we were all trapped in the same goddamn room. <laughs> and so after I graduated, his family moved to the town I lived in. Okay. So they lived like less than a mile from me. And we started talking and I finally told her like, hey, I've, I've had feelings for you for a long time. She kind of kept me on the hook, kind of didn't. We made out a couple times and then she started dating someone else. Okay, fine. And I started dating someone else. Then we were hanging out with her and her younger sister. The younger sister went home and it was just me and her. And her and I ended up having sex. And there was not a condom handy. And we both said, fuck it. And like, 
Wow. Okay, this is this is your choice where you get to hear the the R-rated version or the the NC-17 version. Whichever one you are comfortable telling. Oh. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable telling it. I just want to you okay. know, make yeah. sure we're all adults here. Morning for you and the listeners. Yeah. Um. So I was like, what, 18, 19, maybe 20, somewhere around there. Well, it was after school, but I hadn't moved into my apartment yet uh, at age 21. So it was in that in-between area. So. Now, again, this is someone who I had a crush on for like five, six years. Yeah. Even though we're both currently in relationships, this is happening. Right. I started coming in under a minute. Ooh. And she said, already? <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't even worth it. Right. I pulled out. Okay, fine, whatever. We don't tell anyone about this. No, of course not. No, right. no, no, of course not. I get the three and a half week later call. Oh, Are you no. sure you didn't come in me? Because I'm late. <gasps> oh. I also, well, and this is how I remember. The day before I had signed on for my apartment. Oh. My first apartment. <gasps> you were like just getting your foot in well, to like well, adulthood. And of course, this is the horror story they tell you. Oh, you're going to get pregnant and goodbye to your hopes and dreams. And this is what happens when you have pre So yeah, so get married and give up on your hopes and dreams. Yeah, <laughs> or not yeah. get married and give up on your hopes and dreams. Basically yeah. give up on your hopes and dreams, kids. Right. Uh, so um, if you want to do that and have sex, what? So I was like, okay, I don't recommend that we... Confess until we know for sure if you're pregnant. Keep me updated. She calls me the next day. She is in the hospital. Long story short. So I'm going to finish it up. I'm just going to skip to the end of this. because There's no point in going through the whole day in the hospital. Um, she was constipated. Ah! It was literally blocking her. And that caused her not to bleed and everything else. So oh. all of that. So, so yeah. Yeah, it was... You so, are not the father. Yes, exactly. Whew. Well, each of our relationships found out a couple months later. As they do. Yep. They always do. They always find they out. They always do. People always think they they're going to get away with it, and they never do. Yeah. They yeah, never exactly. do. And, like, at the time, I, like, in, like, in retrospect, part of me just wants to go, you're 20. This is what 20 being, t have you watched even Friends? They all had they all banged and, and hooked up with each they other. They all like, banged. Yep. Yes. We were on a break. Were you? I don't know. Like the worst thing ever, the most heartbreaking thing ever is a is a gag in pop culture. Right. You know, apparently. You know, I'm, it's not the worst thing ever. You know, you know what I mean? Like we're taught that's the worst thing ever. It's the worst thing ever in that in that show. It's the worst thing ever in yeah. 90s pop culture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that has become a gag. So so yeah, so it's, so yeah, so all of that. And, and and big surprise, turned out, neither of us are with those people anymore. They were not the right fit for us. I'm yeah, shocked. That, was, that, that turned out to be a very toxic relationship, but that's not what this podcast is about. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but like, it was just like, you know, but like, and again, 
the pastor slash principal's daughter. Like, <laughs> like and didn't you yeah. say you like had beef with him anyway? Was that what the beef oh, years was? Later. Well, well, that was the other thing. This is kind of how people started to find out. Um, so I went to the hospital. So her, her boyfriend couldn't be at the hospital with her. So she was stuck at the hospital by herself. So I decided to go and be there. Just, I mean, I probably would have, even if I was, you know, well, we were just friends, but like, even if like we hadn't hooked up, I probably would have anyway, because we have been friends. Like, yeah, even if you weren't like other. potentially a baby daddy. Yeah. Well, we, we had known each other since like fifth grade too. Right. So like, you know, like we'd known each other for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so there was that as well. So she calls her dad and when they find out for sure, she's like, hi dad, I'm not pregnant. Yes, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't have to come. Joe's here. And I was, and there was just a, the longest pause. And I thought, Joe, Joey, Joe. He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, not. And I, I hear on the phone, like, not you know, boyfriend's name. I don't remember the boyfriend's name. And like, so that's how he found out. <laughs> so he like he put together that you were there for that reason, or she oh, yeah. told him. Oh yeah. Totally, totally, totally. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Let's see. Let's so, let's see. so switching gears just a little bit, I want to talk about because I'm sure people want to hear paranormal. The paranormal. Have you ever had any paranormal experiences that either drew you closer to or further away from religious belief? Like, have you ever had a paranormal experience where you're like, oh, there, this might be evidence of a God or not like further away. I mean, yeah, or just I mean, an unrelated that. cool sure. experience that has nothing to do with religion. But sure, you sure. I mean, I've caught, uh, there's some photos on my website and social media of like weird, like shadow people I've caught on camera at the, at the Dole mansion. Weird stuff has happened there, you know, cold spots, doors closing on their own. Uh, the weirdest one, the maintenance guy, he closed a door and one of the pins in the hinges fell out. He's like, oh, it must have fell out from the bottom. But no, it was from the top. It's like, wait, how does that hinge how did it get like, out? Yeah. Like, even if it's wiggling up a little, how does it get all the way out of the door? Like, I'm sure it's something ridiculously stupid that we don't know. But, like, at the same time, like, I can't explain it. You know, right. I can't prove it's ghosts. But right. I can't explain it either. Uh, and that's the other thing, too. I, I've, I have a very healthy both, you know sense of belief balance of belief and disbelief and make-belief when it comes to the paranormal right um when people say there's no scientific evidence for the paranormal i go duh if there <laughs> that's were, why it's it would called to be para right <laughs> and just be normal that is literally in go the back name in time 150 years and talk to the first radio uh, enthusiasts Say you're transmitting messages into the ether and transporting them thousands of miles away. That sounds supernatural. Yeah. Or just radio, just simple radio broadcasting, the most basic form of technology. Edison figured, oh, well, if radios exist, we can figure out a way to contact ghosts through a machine. Like, it wasn't that big of a leap for people back then. No. And a lot of, the, just the fact we're having this conversation now is borderline paranormal. Right. To, this is like you know, demonic activity. Years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, so it's obviously relative. I definitely, I definitely consider myself more spiritual now. I, mm -hmm. I did the thing of like being agnostic atheist. Cause I was again, male in 21. 
um, and wanted to just do my best to like, well, the other thing too, at the time it was like when I did finally quote unquote come out as not Christian, it was a big to do with my family because it was like, we went to, we sent you 12 years of Christian school and all this other stuff. And I just didn't want to lie anymore. Yeah. And, you don't want to live as like somebody that you're not and lie to people constantly. And one of my cousins, younger cousins, you know, came out to me as, as non-Christian. Uh, his, he's on the Catholic side of the family. So I feel like every family has a Catholic side. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I was like, and he asked if I had any advice and this advice was when I was 26, 27. So I probably wouldn't give this advice now. Uh, maybe it was closer to 25, but, uh, I told him, don't tell anyone, just keep it to yourself. Do your best not to lie, but you don't owe people an explanation. And if you do try to give them an explanation, it's just going to be a pain. Yeah. Like now you're, now you're open to a million conversations all the time. And like, you know, I didn't know any other way other than to just write a letter to my parents and be honest back then. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so so now that said, atheist means you don't believe in any supernaturals. Right. I actually do believe maybe, you know, I do believe in energy. I do believe in, uh, you know, I do believe in a lot of metaphysics. I don't necessarily think there needs to be a Christian God for it. Right. Um, like, again, there's between all, I'm fascinated with religion. That was the other thing I ever said. Fascinated. Uh, he's like, I'm fascinated with religion, even though I don't want one for myself. And I kind of feel that way too. Like I'll read, like I just watch, just watch Moon Knights. Like yes, Egyptian gods, let's do this. Yes, why not? Why not? Right. Uh, and and that's that's kind of how I feel. I'm okay with. And that's the other thing too that magic has taught me is like, it, it's taught me to just be okay with a mystery. I think that's the other thing too. Ooh, I like that. I like the way you phrase people that. Don't want people don't want mystery. They don't. Okay, when I die, I want to know I'm going to be okay. You know, I want to deal with. Uh, so I think, again, magic reminds them that there is mystery in that regard, too. So I think that's the other part of it. Uh, I, again, I haven't seen anything that is, like, completely... I've definitely had, like, creepy, spooky moments. There was one time I was doing a Facebook Live in the Dole Mansion, and I was just, like, you know, goofing around, like, hey, let's see if anything happens. Spirits, if you're here, come out and play. And I heard what I thought was footsteps. Oh. And a little ball that was up with like, there was like a collection of children's toys near a crib in one of the rooms. A little ball just started coming down the stairs and like landed like right at my feet. And I was like, nope, I'm out of here. I walked out. <laughs> I, I got it to happen again once. Um, I tried a couple other times. It didn't happen. So maybe there's a weird draft in the house that blew yeah. it that way. I I don't know. And, I, and I'm okay with saying, I don't know. I think so many people want to say it's a ghost. It's the spirit of yeah. this dead kid who did this. It's like, no, I'm okay. There are theories that paranormal phenomena is due to time travel or, you know, quantum mechanics. You're seeing a literal glimpse of the past in that moment. Uh, and that's where the veil between past and present is thinnest, which is why you see, you know, people in old timey clothes and such. So I, so I think that's a fascinating theory. I don't know yeah. if it's true. And I'm sure, I mean, look at how far we've come in the last hundred years. I can't imagine in the next hundred years, you know, people are going to look back and be like, 
They thought UFOs were aliens. It turned out to be this. Oh, yeah. come on. What? Well, I mean, look at drones. They move just like UFOs have, you know, been documented for the last 30 years. Right. We know that technology has existed and probably right. wasn't made available to the public until now. That's right. a too conspiracy theory on it. But, like, it's not a huge leap to be like, oh, yeah, if these drones fly like this and move like this, yeah. If it's possible now, it was probably possible 30 years ago. And yeah. when people said they saw all this stuff happening, it could have been, you know, testing for these kinds of things. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not too, so I try to keep a, a healthy dose of skepticism and realism because skepticism kind of becomes its own kind of fundamentalism. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I think like there's definitely like, like the fact that James Randi kind of became a religious figure. He's, I am kinda. at the altar of the church of James Randi. I love <laughs> James Randi. I was just about to bring him up. I'm so glad that you did. See, I really am psychic. There I'm like, so, so I feel like Christians have atheism. Magicians have skeptics. And Atheists can be just as obnoxious as skeptics can be obnoxious, but it's also a spectrum, right? Like it's a healthy sure, dose of skepticism, sure. like you so, said. So I've uh, other performers have made this analogy before with uh, magic mentalism and and skepticism. It's a bell curve, and it's similar to professional wrestling, actually. So professional wrestling, professional wrestling, there's the term kayfabe, which means the secret, right? Uh, there's people who watch professional wrestling who go, oh, it's all real. That guy hates that guy. He broke his arm. He fell on those nails. Yeah. He drove that truck into a mall. And then there's the people like, oh, it's all fake. It's all fake. That, that's stage I blood. I can't let people enjoy things. They, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they made a script and everything. But neither of those are majority of wrestling fans. Right. Majority of wrestling fans are right. in the middle swell that go... Okay, I know they probably sat down beforehand and said, okay, uh, I'm going to say this, you're going to do that. Okay, I'm going to be the, the baby face, you'll be the heel this time. Yeah. Um, but I don't think the human arm bends that way. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. don't think you can get a blood capsule to come out of the middle of the forehead. Right. So what they're saying is some of this is real, some right. of this isn't, and I don't know where to put the marker. Right. And that's very much with my eyes. There are some people who are like, this guy, there can't be tricks. This guy has to read minds. It has to be all real. And there are some people who are like, oh, it's all a trick. Maybe they're not all like in on it, but like maybe it's buying. But vast majority of people, you know, just are amazed and want to see the show. I actually polled my audiences, which is pretty uh, outside of the norm for magicians. Magicians like to just say, uh, particularly mentalists, like, oh yeah, every audience I perform for believes I'm psychic and they don't figure out a single thing I do and I'm awesome and I collect my check and go home. Well, I actually did a public poll on Facebook and I polled people who had come to my shows. I set, shared it with people and uh, seen my shows and bought tickets and almost exactly 100 people responded. So the percentages That's of this cool. were, were pretty good. And 70, so it was basically like, have you ever tried to Google my methods? Have you ever tried to like sit down and see if you can find out how it works? And 70% said, nah, I just enjoy the show. And 30% said, yeah, totally Googled it. Uh, well, at the time, Facebook polls allowed you to see who voted for what. So I then messaged those 30 people and asked them what they found. And I didn't uh, get a response from all of them, but I got a response from most of them. And pretty much all of them were like, yeah, I don't remember. I gave up after a while. I started to, but then realized 
Oh, you can't you can't Google how to bend a spoon with your mind. That can't exist. Spoiler alert, it does. If you're a James <laughs> Randi fan, you know there is. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so, but yeah, I mean, everyone, but yeah, the vast majority, and then one person did actually learn how to do a mind-rating trick and showed their friends, and they talk about me when they do it. So it's like, all these magicians who are worried about other people finding out secrets, it's like, hey, mine, the one person who actually found a secret, now whenever he performs it for friends, promotes me. Right. How right. awesome would it be to have another comedian every time they did their set talked about how cool you were at the end? Hey, well, they got if, if another comedian did my set, even if they credited me afterward, I'd be kind of pissed. Okay, actually. no, no, but even if they just like performed right. like a set and yeah. then like talked talked about you afterwards or something, that would like, be awesome. I would love that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, not and and actually, so the the thing he learned was actually a very it, it was a very public domain piece of magic. Oh yeah, yeah, like so like it yeah, wasn't no, totally, yeah, he I'm didn't just... rip off my act. Let me be clear about that. Um, so yeah, so I, I don't, so as a result too, like there's a lot of, magicians kind of have like this, uh, speaking of fundamentalists, there's kind of this cult of secrets now. And, uh, like t in the, in, in the worst possible way, uh, unfortunately, I actually got hate mail for the last two weeks because when I was on coast to coast AM, uh, I talked about certain electronic props that magicians sometimes use in their shows. Yeah. So how could you? Well, I mean, I I made a, so I was on coast to coast. It's my job to sell tickets. It's my job to make ridiculous claims. Uh, so I was like, hey, I'm, I I don't need all those fake electronics that they have. I could do all this for real. That was that was the claim. I said, you know, there's, magi there's magicians that have like hidden earpieces in their ears and people feed them information. There's magicians who have like little dice that have signals that tell you which, which direction is up. And Sydney, I got nearly daily messages from people saying, "How dare you? You have no class. You have no love for the arts. Like kill yourself." Basically, oh yeah. <laughs> one said, "Eat a bag of dicks. You have no class." And I was like, Just "Okay, one, Joe, eat the whole bag and put it on YouTube. I want to see that no, you ate." No, I, I wanted to get bag a bag of gummy dicks and like take a photo of me eating them. I'm like, okay, now what? From, go to Spencer's Gifts and get a whole bag of dicks and eat them all. But, like, in that same episode, I compared a Ouija board to a loaded weapon. Like, and that's, I'll admit, is edgy okay. and controversial, and maybe I shouldn't have used those exact words. Nothing about that. Nothing. It's all about how dare I give away a magic secret. How, how okay. dare I? Okay, you know, so fun fact. I don't know if you remember when you were on my podcast, like, two years ago during mm -hmm. the pandemic. Um, when I was living in my parents' basement and we were talking about Ouija boards and we were talking about, mm -hmm. like, you were telling me all of these, first of all, amazing facts that I tell people all the time yeah. that you told me about Ouija boards. But later, so, like, we hang up, right? I go upstairs, my parents are watching TV, and I'm like, I learned some great stuff about Ouija boards. And my parents were like, what were you doing down there? And I'm like, no, no, it's not what you think. Like, listen, I want to tell you these fun facts about Ouija boards. And my parents were like, no, stop. Don't talk about Ouija boards in this house. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, it's not, it's not like dark arts related. I'm telling you interesting. Did you know they're manufactured by, and they're like, no, like stop talking about Ouija boards. And my dad literally was like, I will not hear the word Ouija board in this house ever again. And I was like, well, fine, but you're missing out on really cool, like content and trivia that I was going to share with you, but that's fine. Yeah, my dad was like, there will be, like, stop saying the word. Stop bringing it into this house. 
And and then on That's my way funny. down the stairs, I was like, they can't catch on fire. And then I like went down. <laughs> That's my awesome. room. Bye. Um, that's oh, that's awesome. That makes me so happy. I also talked about him on the YouTube channel Modern Rogue, which I'm I'm going back to Austin uh, a couple days after this uh, time of this recording to film some more stuff. Uh, we did an episode on the Ouija board, so if you Google my name, it's one of the first things that comes up. Uh, and oh, when I first started like talking about him and like you know using him in shows and everything, I had like people I went to church with who sent me messages saying, "I saw you with a Ouija board. And my blood ran cold." Like it's like. Okay. Ooh, the alphabet. Oh, okay. Ooh, the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, and so, so yeah, so but like, magic is magic again. It has its own form of fundamentalism. For years, it was you had to go to the magic clubs and learn from all these old people, older people, the rules and everything. And there's been a lot of stories in recent years of magicians getting arrested for pedophilia and other forms of sexual abuse. Um, not on a grand scale, but enough to be worrying, enough for there to be a pattern. Not, you know, and, enough to make it to the Vatican or anything like that. Yeah, but, but enough for me to realize, oh... These young boys are brought into a group of old men at the back room of Denny's who are going to teach that young boy about the value of keeping a secret. Oh. Ooh. That's... There's also not very many women in magic. I have noticed. And I think part of it is that. Is like the... The, the creepiness the, factor. So, and I'm and not... And hashtag not all magicians, of course. No. Um... But let's look at it from the standpoint. So you're either a young boy that the magicians do like and want to be around, or you're a young girl that they don't like because they want the young boys, or they do like the young girl. It doesn't work out for anybody. Right. And it makes sense why there's not as much. Also, just a, a young girl being in that situation, like, it's not like... On one level, good that, you know, there's at least been enough parents that have brought young girls to a magic meeting, looked in and went, nope, we're going home. Yeah. Like, at, at least that. At, at least, you know, a little bit of that. Which is why I'm, I've become such a big proponent of, of learning magic online, because I get messages from people who don't live near a lot. Like, that's the other thing. All these old magicians are like, go to the library. That's how I learned. Well, YouTube's the library now. Right. That's like, the new library, for sure. Yeah, well, and they feel like it's too out there. It's too easy. We didn't have it easy. We still had to go to the library. It, this shouldn't be. It, it's the same. More things change, more things stay the same. Uh, but, you know, the, the amount of messages I get from people who uh, don't live near a library or don't live near magicians, and, like, the fact... So I used to run a youth program uh, for young magicians at a magic, uh, magic convention, so about like 10 years ago, there were a big, there was like a, bo like because of that boom of magic specials, there was a boom in magic competitions. And a big thing, these magic competitions, you had a six minute act that you did to music, you produced cards and birds and doves and billiard balls or whatever, and you performed all that. And then you got your trophy and you were told you were a star. Well, there were a lot of these young magicians uh, competitions. And in fact, the, the movie... I'm in, which is how I got my Netflix and, and uh, Showtime crediting, 
Hell the documentary yeah. is called Make Believe, and it's about young magicians in a competition. I was like 21 at the time. Uh, I wasn't in the competition. I was helping a friend of mine who was in the competition. Uh, so I'm in it for like two minutes. I have more screen time than Neil Patrick Harris, though, but I'm in a movie with Neil Patrick <laughs> Harris. He's been unlocked. And, yeah, so the... I'm just thinking back, like, oh, my God, yeah, let's get all these young teenagers to dance around on stage for a group of mostly old men. Like, ugh. Ugh. Like, literally performing for old men. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that, like, the magic competition, so the convention I, I worked for didn't have a competition. It just had, like, young kids coming together and working. There were workshops and... Uh, like an open mic night type thing. And the kids were great. There was no competition between the kids. There was, they were all, you know, if one of them was having trouble with a move, the other one would help them. One kid was trying to remember something, so he reached in his bag, took out a magic book, and was like, I think it's on page 88, and turned to that page and showed the kid and helped him. And the last year I did it, out of 50 50 kids... Uh, there was a scholarship program, too. Out of 50, there were, like, 11 or 12 young women. Which is not where it should be. Yeah. But that is huge yeah. compared to just a few years ago. Right. That is huge. And when I asked them, like, how how'd you get started in magic? They all were like, oh, the internet. Because that was the only safe place where a younger... Even if you go to the library, there's going to be a book... On magic, likely written by a man, likely a right-handed man, talking about putting things in your jacket pockets. And women's suits don't have pockets, so if you're a left-handed woman getting into magic, you're in trouble. Um, oh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's that. There's a lot of props that are, uh, you know, masculine leaning, uh, and there's, you know, and there and there's just so much. And, like, with magic, they're, they're, this is changing. This is definitely changing. And I have a couple of friends uh, in magic who are uh, who, who identify as female and in the performing arts who identify as female who, who are fantastic and don't fall into these categories. But, unfortunately, there was also, like, a thing for a while where if you wanted to be a woman in magic, you had to basically be a glamorized magician's assistant right. and dress you super sexy. Yeah, you had to dress super sexy and do all this. And unfortunately, to contrast that, there were some women performers who then dressed very masculine and like weren't feminine at all. It's like there's and and so and that and so that is changing. That, that we are we are on the cusp of all of that changing. Again, it's not where it needs to be, but it's gotten better for sure. Yeah. But a big but again, like all these, I hear this all the time. Oh, you're not old enough to do mentalism. Oh, you can't do that kind of magic if you're a girl. You're all these old guys saying you can't do things. In an art form that's all about nothing is impossible. Right, right. Like, it's its, like, its own literally level of fundamentalism. Purpose which is, is defying reality and the norm. Yeah. That is, I will say, I think it's, I think one of the things that I've liked the most about this conversation we've been having is the almost identical parallels between your fundamentalist upbringing and your magic career because you've got yeah. two, you know, you you said it yourself, you've got two cults basically that are founded upon believing what you don't know, what you don't see, what you can't explain, 
what science exactly. can't break down for you, but you're supposed to believe it and promote it and pursue it, right? Knowing the entire time that there's very little evidence, right? At and telling everyone who's doing it differently than you is wrong. Yes, and everyone who's doing it different is wrong. Right, exactly. I I, I, I actually can't, I, I, I won't name any names, but I, I, I canceled membership to several organizations of magicians and psychic entertainers. I haven't been going to conventions anymore. The last few times they've had that convention that has the youth program, I just had other things going. And um, if they asked me again to do it, they've had other people running it the times I haven't been able to. And if they asked me to do it again, I would I would probably consider it. I, I, I don't want to say never, but I don't know if like, I know I did all I could in that, at that time with that organization, with that group of, you know, young kids. And I, you know, and I, 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 the other thing too, is I see them and I go, they're okay. Those, those kids are okay. Yeah. They're, they're helping each other. They don't, they don't need me. Yeah. They don't need me. Like that. Like if, if I was mostly there for the parents, I noticed like to talk to the parents and be like, Hey, your kid doesn't. Cause like, that's the other thing. The kids, the parents are like, Oh my gosh, my kid's either going to be David Copperfield or a birthday party clown. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no and at a convention like that, it is good to see. Uh, like there's a friend of mine. He's a wonderful performer. He he is a uh, Christian, but he you know he's very respectful of everyone, and yeah. we're very good friends. He has an amazing show, and he has like eight kids, and he makes a living doing school assembly shows yep. uh, throughout the year. And he does Our one Rocket. of the best shows I've ever seen. He sings, he does magic, he does comedy routines, he brings parents up. It's awesome. He is he is a literal god. He probably won't. Uh, be happy I say this, but he won't be mad either. He is a literal god on stage. Like, everyone just instinctually loves him. He's great. Um, he's who he the donut man wishes he was. For the sake of saving humankind, you know. Yeah. Well, I, well, and that's the thing. It's all, like, he works in the public school. So it's all, like, it's the pro-kid show. Uh, people respecting others. His name is Tim Hannick. He's got stuff online, and it's great. And he's done stuff for churches, but he does a lot of stuff for schools. And it's all good good stuff it's about you treating people with kindness stuff that everyone needs to know that maybe religion should be saying but again i digress uh he is and that's what's important and he's doing it through puppets and music and when he's doing a a show near me like he actually texts me he's like hey i'm at this school if you're free i was like okay i'll come to the show tonight and i will go and go and see him and and it's i learn something every time i watch him uh, he's he's great. So it's like I I wanted to talk to him uh, the last time I ran that organization because I wanted to be he had performed and got a standing ovation. So all the parents were like oh my god he was great, and I wanted to talk with him specifically with the youth uh, kids and the parents so I could say you do this full time right yeah, and how many kids do you have eight and all the parents went whoa whoa <laughs> and I'm like and you're making a living none of your kids are hungry he's like no we're all good I was like does your wife work he's like she helps me with bookings and stuff, but no, she doesn't have another job. It's like, and I just looked and went, see parents, they don't have to be David Copperfield. (laughs) Like you can make a very good, you know, up middle class, upper class living, living, doing what you love, like being in this industry. You, you can do it. There's people who make that kind of money, just inventing tricks. They don't perform them. They just uh, invent them. And that's okay too. And yeah. So the, the community of magic, I'm, I'm, I'm really focusing on my own career, my own journey. So I'm kind of stepping yeah. away from, again, the conventions and all that stuff. And I'm going to keep yeah. trying to learn and stay uh, communicating with the the friends I have in the industry. But, like, Absolutely. yeah, I think I think just giant organizations in general I'm kind of, like, finally, <laughs> finally <laughs> done with. 
Right. Like organizations based on like belief. But um, just kind of in closing, you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to follow up on and I thought it would be a good like last part of the discussion. Earlier, you talked about your cousin who kind of came out as no longer religious. And you said that the advice you gave him was the advice you would have given him then, but it might not be the advice you would give him now. What advice would you give now to people who aren't feeling as religious, who did grow up fundamentalist like you did, or maybe a different religion, and now they're kind of segueing away from those beliefs? What would you say to them now? And would it be the same advice that you would give somebody young pursuing magic? Again, I, I I may have even told him just straight up lie. I may have told him that at that point. I don't think I would tell him that now. So I think if I didn't say that earlier, I will say that now. If, I, if uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely, definitely be honest. I mean, we've all had to learn to look at parents and older people and just other people in our lives and go, I don't think that's true. Like, We've, we've had to learn not to just roll with, with the crazy sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to go, I don't think that's true. And just leave it. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to give all these facts. You just have to go, eh, I don't know if that's true. Like, and just leave it. Yeah. Uh, for this, for, for anyone who's going to be drawn to a podcast like this, I'm going to give... I'm going to give probably different advice than I would probably give on, like, a magic podcast. Right. Uh, but I think it, I, I have said this to um, uh, to younger people in the industry and everything, and I've kind of becoming – I've been trying to be more of an advocate for it, is be aware of your mental health. Like, having having a therapist these last two years has really, really helped me and changed me. Uh, you know, it's, and, and having, you know, a partner that I'm accountable to with a lot of that stuff has really helped as well. There, there are, there are days that are harder. If, if, if you're going to get into this as a job and you grew up, oh, you've got, well, first of all, if you grew up fundamentalist and you want to do any kind of life in the arts, my heart goes out to you. I've been there. But by the way, real quick, one other thing I, I did kind of skip over. I worked at Six Flags Great America in the theater department for two years doing what? street magic. And that was kind of like my way of like, that's when I met like my first gay person. And I was told like, oh, be careful if you meet an older gay man, jo- Joey. They they like to recruit young men. And when I met a gay guy and he didn't want anything to do with me because I was a straight 17-year-old who didn't know his ass from his head, like, of course, like, of course. I was like, oh, wait a second. Maybe my parents don't know everything. Maybe. They know that gay people also have types that they are attracted to and types that they are not attracted In to. In 2005, it wasn't fully out there yet. Um, So there was one that, that uh, the second year did, I think, have a bit of a crush on me and definitely flirted. And um, I had a girlfriend at the time and it obviously never led to anywhere. But I, and I, I'm com- I was comfortable enough even then to flirt back and be fun and silly and everything. <laughs> Uh, but, um, but, you know, I grew up in the age of like, oh, that's gay, you know, you know, whatever. Um, real quick. Okay. I keep going off on all these tangents. The, not the principal I had the falling out with, but the other principal, she other princi- has a Wait, son. Wait, what? Was, there was a couple of different principals. I was oh, going to say, how many principals, principals, la- principals came and gone. I think, uh, most, the longest I had a single principal at that school was like four years. 
There oh. was always like a, a breaking point and everything. Well, the one principal's son, uh, he, this was like maybe when I was in eighth grade, he would always go, he'd go up to even like girls, he'd be like, do you like men? Well, that's, you're gay. <laughs> and like to the point where like, even like the teachers would be like, don't say gay, don't, don't use that. So they'd be like, oh, this likes men. <laughs> like we'd stub our toe or like be like, ah, oh. or he'd hate a movie, but this likes men. So that was like our, which isn't, you know, yes, they're. This was not, <laughs> we were wrong. I apologize immediately to everyone. Um, <laughs> you can be gay and not like men. I know that now. Um, this is again, I was in eighth grade like, listen, in a fundamentalist a Baptist time, school. A fundamentalist yes. school. Uh, it's all wrong. Not to say but, like it was ever, that was ever okay or whatever or better, but like, you know, it's, it's just part of the, uh, cycles of life yeah well like, like that's gonna be us are going to get me canceled it's going to happen like my teachers oh, yeah. in 2008 oh. are going to bite me in the ass and i will oh, oh watch that i am a different person watch american pie just that movie general. has just not aged well watch literally any will ferrell movie at all and it did not age well <laughs> like yeah exactly exactly so so yeah um so my so yeah so my my ultimate advice whether you're just fundy whether you want to have a life in the arts and you've grown a fundamentalist um you know or or if you're you know wherever you're coming from from this I think yeah keeping track of mental health if you know and and, and there's ways like there are and like that's the other thing too I have a friend who is self-employed and he found a great online counselor that he can text with and everything else that's super affordable there are this is part of the conversation now like do you know you can find it out talk to friends i have lost some friends uh, and family members to suicide so mental health is a is a big thing for me and uh, I, I don't talk about it a lot because i think it is personal everyone's on their own journey and what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for the other and you know be be aware that's going to be a work in progress and like you if you can visualize seeing yourself and i tell this to people who want to get into magic see yourself doing anything else do it you got you gotta be insane to do this you gotta love doing this you gotta just you got to be that crazy person on a box in the street level crazy to 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 do this. Like if it's a great hobby. I know you know there's some uh, really big uh Chicago lawyers who on Saturday meet at a deli and invent card tricks and they've invented some of the best card tricks ever. They've done this for the last 30 years and they're lawyers. They don't they're not on the Las Vegas strip. They write books for magicians. They're well regarded in the community like and that's okay. You don't have to be a full-time professional. If you, you know, if you need to be on stage, if you need to do that, yes, do it. But if you can visualize yourself doing anything else, for the love of God, do it. Do it. Do, do it. it. Yes. Parents are always asking me, like, oh, this is my child. Like, how do they get involved in stand-up? And I always go, don't. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you're so funny. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, real yeah. advice. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you're gonna. You want to do this? You got. You got to be again. Your own writer. Your own director. Your own web designer. Your own hype man. Your own like all of it. Like it's. 
And it's better, honestly. I have a friend who, when I was 20, and their parents became their manager, um, I was very jealous. They are in their 30s, and their parent is still their manager. They have a very good career. They're still one of my closest friends, but that is, and, and they're happy. That's not a life I would want, personally. Um, and, you know, t time will tell on everything, you know, but like, I, I, I wouldn't trade as, as hard as, as it's been, as heartbreaking as it is to have people literally send you emails saying you are the worst person ever, or that what you're doing is satanic or evil or unethical or sexual or wrong or any of that stuff to get that every day and work hard and then have three people show up to your show and you keep going there's that rant i have that rant of steve hofstadter's in my head it's like you keep going then you open for a magician and then you open for a hypnotist and then your friends come and see a show and they never come to another show because they saw that one uh I'm, that's just going through my head now <laughs> uh but but it, more often than not i mean if you are going to do this then yeah you are more than a painter like the painter can paint it and the paintings there and people can like that painting or not if you're gonna stand on stage and be funny or be magic or be you know scary or be you know whatever you, you know you gotta take care of yourself first um you gotta you gotta make sure you know, I, I had two sold-out shows this uh, these last few weeks. I had standing ovations, and Monday I got those three more emails just all in a row, and I was a wreck and didn't get out of bed. Like, like mean I, emails, like telling you you're awful. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it oh. was too. Yeah, th yeah. That all those emails about all the awful things that was very recent. That was within five days ago, and that's and there's gonna be days like that, and then there's gonna be days where you rock it and. There's lights behind you and there's standing ovations and then there's days you're on a red eye flight to make it to that college gig. Like it's it's part of it. It's part of it. And and again, there's lots of there are motivational speakers. There are again, people who write comedy, it's people who do all sorts of different aspects of it. I, I will admit part of me is kind of jealous of pastors cuz they got like the best gig. Right, they right. don't have to People pull an audience. People literally have to listen to them. They they don't pull an they 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 don't have to work to pull an audience. People just no. show up. Oh man, oh, that's such a sweet. And thing. if you I'm... don't show up, they're just like, well, your salvation. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, still, I go to oh. heaven whether you come here or not. I'm simply trying to lead you to the Lord. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm gonna do no that problems. at my next comedy show. I'll be like, well, it's your salvation. I'm <laughs> leading you to Christ, awesome. but that's fine. Stay home. Awesome. So yeah, so take care of yourself. That's yeah. my that's my final bit of advice, and uh, I think that's the only thing you can do when you're. And again, like learn to be yourself. You've come, yeah. we've come out of being, you know, part of a faceless group, and that's its own level of baggage. So just learn to be comfortable in your own skin. Um, this will be the final thing, and I'll, I'll uh, credit where credits due. Again, my mentor I mentioned earlier, Eugene Berger who used to be um, uh, the you know in religious studies and then became a magician. His big thing, when people would ask him, what's the number one thing we need to do to be a successful magician, and I think successful performer, artist, whatever, I think this is true. He's like, I don't need a list. It needs to be one thing. To succeed, you need to know who you are. Yeah. Le learn who you are. Take time away from all those people. 
I got Shudder this last year and watched all the movies I was told yes. I could never watch. I remember going to the I movie theaters Shudder. and seeing all the VHSs of like Pumpkinhead and Slumber Party Massacre 2 and all that stuff and Silent Like Deadly Night. And I've been watching all of them. Yep. Turns out I didn't miss much, but I still yeah, am glad no. I watched them. Silent Night Deadly Night. All I can remember from that is it's garbage day. And then That's like, two. That's two. Is that oh. number two? So Milwaukee actually is the reason uh, that's a part two because initially they released part of the first one and Mothers for Milwaukee or like, uh, you know, protested the movie saying it was awful. It was ruining Christmas, the sanctity of Christmas and Santa and all that stuff. So they pulled the movie, reshot some stuff. Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is only like, 60% a different movie than part one. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a second. They have footage of part one in part two. like And not just like flashbacks, whole scenes as part of the movie and story of two. <laughs> and that exists because of fundamentalism, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, and that ex I said all that to say, thank you, fundamentalism, for giving us Silent Night, yes. Deadly Night, part two. <laughs> Exactly. Well, Joe, um, where can we find you? Do you have like a calendar or a website, social media? Where yeah, can we uh, find you and follow you? Uh, JoeDiamondLive.com and at JoeDiamondLive on all social media. Uh, the uh, the stuff I'm going to be filming for are the channels uh, Modern Rogue and Scam Nation. Uh, I don't know if I'm doing anything with them on this trip, but I did do something with Whiskey Tribe, which is the number one whiskey channel on uh, on on youtube that was really fun because they just wanted to do like an awkward funny between two fern style interview yeah. and uh we got to be super awkward and funny and and I, I that was that was a lot of fun for me uh and yeah but i mean it's always uh whenever i do something new it'll all go through my uh uh my website and social media i'm uh yeah i'm, I'm fairly i'm fairly active on instagram i'm i'm cleaning out facebook i got to the five thousand friend limit and it's mostly been unfriending magicians. Uh, so, <laughs> like, if you're holding a fan of cards in your photo, we have over 20 mutual friends, and I don't know who you are, you're gone. One um, of your mentalist friends reaches out, and he's like, why are you going to unfriend me tomorrow? <laughs> what the fuck is that going to be two about? Two mind readers run into each other on the street. One says, hey, you're fine. How am hey, I? <laughs> what the fuck happens on Saturday? Why do you unfriend me? <laughs> What's going yeah, on? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so I mean, so yeah, so I, I actually have some wiggle room, so if someone does want to shoot me a message, uh, on Facebook, uh, and want, wants to send me a friend request, they can, uh, on there. I've got the Joe Diamond Life page on there, which is the professional page and all that. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, Instagram is probably the best place to like, if you want to reach out and like see my stuff and everything. Just in general, it's the best place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, no, Thank you great. so much. I, yeah. I'm, again, I've been loving the podcast episodes. I'm thrilled to be on this. I'm always thrilled to see all the awesome work you're doing. And Thank you so um, much. This was, I really this was very cathartic, and I hope it was cathartic for other people. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate all the years of support. You're always, like, the first to like my statuses and, and compliment things I'm doing and support what I'm doing, so I really appreciate it. Thank you for giving us your time and your story and your experiences. And I wish you the best of luck. And I hope things keep going awesome for you. Because since I've known you, they've only gone, like, sky high from there. Thank, so I think thank that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and same with you. I mean, just the, the, the amount of, like, output you have and how, you know, just every time I see your picture and then story time, it's like, all right. <laughs> story time. People have been loving those lately. <laughs> and I'm so excited about it. 
But um, well, thank you so much. I appreciate your thank time. You. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Tell your you lovely wife, who I've never had the pleasure of meeting, that I say hello. And best of luck in your upcoming Texas tour. Your upcoming Thank Texas you. Trip. Appreciate it.